If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volex XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volex XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional ejection to a blood vessel, which can cause vision, abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Okay, you guys, I'm going to be honest. I used to loathe wearing bras because they were so uncomfortable and suffocating. They were the first thing that I ditched the moment I got back home. But Skims totally flipped the script for me. As a dedicated fan of Skims undies, I decided to give their bras a shot. And wow, Skims once again knocked it out of the park. And if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or a significant other, they are also going to like Skims. Even the underwire bras are so cozy that you can literally just rock them all day without even realizing you're wearing a bra. Peyton, Peyton loves Skims. She's not lying. She's a supporter. I do. I will purchase Skims outside of this stuff I'm also supposed to be doing ads for. So I purchased my ad stuff and then I'm also like, hey, you know, maybe I should just throw a little t-shirt in here or something. But currently I'm wearing the Fits Everybody push-up bra. I love it. It is so amazing. I also rocked my no-show bra under a dress one night when I went out and it was so cute to just have the mesh detailing poking out. So shop Skims bras at skims.com. They are now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75. And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. So after you place your order, will you please just select podcast in the survey and then select our show, Murder With My Husband, in the drop-down menu that follows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland. And I'm Garrett Moreland. And he's the husband. And I'm the husband. Okay, before we get into Garrett's 10 seconds, we actually have some pretty exciting news. We don't really know what it's going to look like yet, but to start doing listener tells or where you guys write in and tell us about true crime hometown murders or things that happen to you or kind of the subject will probably change as we go but basically listener tell episodes right now the plan is to do it maybe just once a month on murder with my husband um, we're gonna kind of figure it out we're gonna look at some submissions and see what it looks like and take it from there so if you are interested you can submit that to listeners at murderwithmyhusband.com and we're going to have links kind of all over the place. These will be stories like if your grandma went on a date with Ted Bundy or you have a personal connection Dang. to something that has to do with true crime or you discovered a body or honestly just Jeez. anything even if there's a pretty crazy little connection you have that you would like us to read you will write in your story and then we will read it to share with everyone it's not going to replace any of what we're doing currently like i said it's going to be maybe an extra one we add a month just on top of everything um just to change it up a little bit and to get some more content out there so if you're interested go ahead and submit that and we're excited to see what we get. And just a reminder as well, Apple subscriptions and Patreon, there is bonus content, extra episodes, two extra episodes each month, and all the content is ad-free. So if you're interested, go check those out. We have links everywhere as well. Okay, I think that puts us right over into your 10 seconds. I am currently dressed and ready to head to Pickleball after we record. That's what I'm going to be doing tonight. And Daisy, 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 that little puppy. <laughs> For a puppy, she's pretty well-trained, I feel like. She is doing a really good job. Completely potty trained. Crate trained. Crate trained. She's been doing a really good job. But we have been training her to get used to the bag um, that you travel with them in. 
um, at the airport, um, on the airplane, underneath the seats. We've been taking her into the car, putting her in it, training her at Aww. home, just everywhere, right? And she's been loving it, doing a good job, sleeping in it, knowing what to do in it. And we thought, all right, let's do it. We had a collab planned with Kendall and Josh from Mile Higher, but that didn't work out. That was the second time we had it planned. The third time is the charm, and we will get it down. <laughs> So we had to cancel it because we were we went through security, we went through everything, and that in itself was, I don't know, she just, she was doing so good, and then something happened. She I just got she spooked. Got spooked. Yeah, she started freaking out, and I felt so bad, and they just weren't gonna let us on the plane. Yeah, she just started. It wasn't even crying. It was like she was so agitated. Yeah. And she was fine in the carrier before we got in. I don't know if she got overstimulated, but we've taken her to the mall in the carrier. So, because we wanted her to be around loud noises. I don't know. I don't know if it was security or. I, honestly, we've heard from multiple people that it's a hit or miss with puppies. I yeah. mean, she's still a puppy. She's right. She's three right. and a half months, four months old. Yeah. So, I mean, she's still a puppy. It's to be expected. But that's kind of what happened. We were in the airport, long story short. I mean, we probably... We could have went. Maybe could have just got on the airplane. And I don't know. It was so hard. We just... It was super hard with her. And it just made more sense to come yeah. back home and make sure she was okay. Because she was freaking out. So third time's the charm. We will get out. <laughs> we will and get that collab done. We will get that collab done. Because we're really excited to do it with them. Um, and I think it's something that you guys would all enjoy. But Daisy May over here did not like it. She did not want to go to the collab, which is so sad because they have cute dogs and yeah. pets and bunnies. But we'll get her and everything will be okay. And you know what? We're just being good dog parents. <laughs> and on the good note for Daisy, we left her in the crate last night and we went to a hockey game and she did amazing. She slept. She slept. Played with her toys. Played with the toys. Came back. Excited to see us. She's a pretty good dog. So if you're done hearing about dogs... Then I will stop here and let's hop into today's episode. Our episode sources are Empty Promises and Other True Cases, Forensic Files, AETV.com, and Newspapers.com. Okay, so for this story, we are going back to the 1970s. This was a decade that was just covered with crime, if you know what I mean. Everything seems like it was just so grungy. A decade of Gary's and Larry's and Tom's in windowless vans, creepy cat collars, grimy times. Gary's, Larry's. And Tom's. Oh my gosh. I don't want to add more interruptions to the story, but you need to tell them what happened to you at CVS. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we'll do it quick. Okay. So Garrett and I were at CVS the other day and I had Daisy with us. Um, she was just in my arms and most of the time with Daisy, I just try to keep her. This isn't about Daisy. No, it's not so about Daisy. Stay tuned. Um, I just try to keep her entertained. So Garrett was the one kind of grabbing the stuff we needed. He went over to the checkout by himself. I had Daisy near him, but it didn't look like I was with him. And this lady walked up to me. And she looked me dead in my eyes and said, cute dog. And it caught me off guard because normally when people say that Daisy's cute, they're looking at Daisy. Mm -hmm. But she was just like, she got really close to me and said it right to my face. And so I was like, oh yeah, thank you. And I walked away. Well, then I was going to go outside with Daisy to get some fresh air while Garrett was finishing up checking out. And so I turn around and walk out the doors, but I'm not going to go to the car. I'm just going to stand right outside. And that same lady comes barreling out after me. But then when I stop, because I wasn't walking to the car, she abruptly stops. And now is just like awkwardly standing next to me. Mm -hmm. And I turn over and look at her and I'm sure my face was like, okay, this is weird. And then I recognized that she was the same lady who had said cute dog. And she flips her head out to someone in the parking lot and does like one short nod at someone and then just like looks down. And so I turn out to the parking lot. I don't see who she's nodding to. And I think, okay, maybe someone's just coming to pick her up. So she was saying like, yeah, I'm done. Come, pick, come get me. But then all of a sudden, as Garrett walks out of the store and looks at me and says, are you ready to go? She turns around and walks back into the store. It was weird. And I was like, what the heck? And then as we're walking out, this white windowless van just comes driving down the 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 row that we parked in and just drives right past us. And I could be making this up like it could have been nothing. It was weird. But it was also one of those things where like 
my hair started to stand up. I got goosebumps. Like it was just weird. And she was acting weird when she first came in. Like the whole thing was, I don't know. The whole thing was freaky. Yeah. Garrett did go back in though, just to make sure. You bet I would have followed that van anywhere. I couldn't find the van. I couldn't find. Well, she was just shopping. I went back in and she was just standing there. Just staring at, I don't know, some of the items. Like, we drove around a little bit, and I was like, I'm going back in the store. Like, yeah. I'm not okay with this. I went back in, and she was just standing there just looking at some items. So, I just I wasn't going to confront her. I mean, right. Because. I mean, I don't know. So, we just walked. I just walked back out and got back in the car, and we left. But, yeah, it was weird. I mean, yeah, she walked out, like, looked at Peyton, looked at the parking lot, and then. Not and then walked back inside as soon as I came out and she made eye contact with me. She went right back inside. It's almost like because I was standing away from Garrett with Daisy, just kind of doing my own thing. She didn't know we were together. It was weird. And then when I walked outside, it still didn't look like we were together because I walked out by myself. But then I sat and waited for you. And the second she realized we were together, she like just bolted back inside. Yeah, the whole thing was weird. So we had to tell that because we were just talking about creepy vans. Windowless vans from Gary's and Larry's and Tom's. Yep. So again, the 70s. Uh, This is a grimy time. But for Kendra and Julio Torres, all this stuff was kind of outside of their field of vision. They were innocent and young and in love in the 70s. And they had been married for only a year. Kendra was 16 and Julio was 21. And yes, I know, Kendra was still a minor and Julio was an adult, but it was not a vast age difference, especially during these times. They'd been dating for a while and they were so in love that Kendra's family supported the relationship. Only her father wanted it to be proper because he was a religious man, and so he encouraged them to get married even though she was only 16, which they did. And they remained a really happy and close couple all the way a year into their marriage. Just still kind of in that honeymoon state, blissful state, really into each other. So now at this point, it's July 1976. Kendra and Julio were approaching their one-year wedding anniversary, and to celebrate it, they planned a weekend camping trip into the rustic wilderness of Oregon, which is where they lived. Now, originally, they were going to travel to the Oregon coast, but Julio decided instead to take them to the Austin Hot Springs, which was up in the mountains along the Clackamas River. Now, Julio loved fishing, and he wanted to teach his new wife, Kendra, how to fish. But also, money was really tight for this young couple, as you would imagine. Neither of them were from a wealthy family, and they were both just making ends meet. They had a combined total of $60 to spend for this anniversary trip. Sounds well, like you when we got married. <laughs> say <that>? Shots taken. <laughs> Should I not say that? <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, okay. I was a little bit broke. (laughs) So camping out and sleeping under the stars and cooking food over an open fire, not only would this save them money, but it actually seemed like a pretty romantic and adventurous alternative to a motel room. The night before the trip, they did most of their packing and called a few of their friends to see if they could find someone to watch Rusty. This is their pet dog. But it was looking like they might just have to take Rusty along with them. That night, they went to bed, and then all night long, Kendra had nightmares, dreadful dreams of something going deeply, horrifyingly wrong in the mountains. In the morning when she woke up, she was feeling like her dreams may have been a premonition. And this is like such a scary thing especially after watching final destination because if you're getting on a plane and you have a dream about a plane crashing do you really want to go get on the plane Mm -hmm. yeah i mean no but i understand what you're saying so they brushed this off and the date by the way was thursday july 22nd 1976 and that was the day that they planned to embark on their camping trip they were planning on getting back home on sunday And while Julio tied up loose ends and got the rest of the packing done, Kendra shared her fears with a close friend of hers. And the friend suggested that she take her Bible along with her, just to maybe ward off bad luck. The friend assured her the Bible would protect her from anything bad happening. So Kendra slipped the Bible into her backpack along with the rest of her essentials. 
And it's worth noting that Julio also had an ominous feeling about the trip. He even went so far as to suggest that even though it's their anniversary trip, maybe their friend Mike should join them because safety in numbers. Mm -hmm. It was maybe a solution to their worries. But when they stopped by Mike's house to see if he wanted to come, there was no answer when they knocked on the door. So they just left a note. And on it, they wrote, sorry, you missed the fun. Then Kendra and Julio, getting ready to take off, also couldn't find anyone to watch Rusty. And they couldn't afford to board him at a kennel, so they decided to just take him with. They loaded up their car, stopped for gas and canned food, bought fishing licenses, and headed toward Mount Hood National Forest. It was late afternoon by this point, a beautiful day. But while driving up the winding paths into the mountains, they end up missing their turn. This would be the turn into Austin Hot Springs, which was where they were going. So they ended up driving miles in the wrong direction toward another destination. And before they realized their mistake, they found themselves on the spookiest road that they'd ever been on. Like something really didn't feel right about this seemingly endless stretch of eerie old road. And that was when they realized they had missed their exit. So they finally turned back around, having lost considerable fuel as well. By the time they reached Austin Hot Springs, it was getting dark and the gates were closing for the night. But a park ranger allowed them to just park outside the gate and then walk in. He said they could cook dinner and do some twilight fishing if they liked, but they couldn't camp inside the park that night. They'd have to wait till the gates open the next morning and spots became available. So they went into the park and after cooking their dinner, they gravitated to some other campers who were also parked near their car and settled inside their car with the doors locked for the night. But then the dog was restless for most of the night, so they weren't able to actually get in a really good night's sleep. In fact, in the middle of the night, they had to dig out the flashlight and take Rusty down to the river for a drink of water. After this, the dog settled down and they managed to sleep through the few remaining hours they had left. And when they woke up early in the morning, the rangers let them know that there was now a spot available inside the park. They were taken to the campsite and there, Kendra cooked breakfast while Julio fished. It wasn't great fishing though. He didn't catch anything. So he packed up the poles and they moved on to the hot springs, which were really busy that day. There were plenty of people around as they swam and some of them were people they recognized from the car park the night before. So they felt pretty safe despite that uneasy start to their trip. All right, everybody, we're talking about food, not just any food, but daily harvest. And when it comes to eating well, We are not the best at it, and we're also not very good cooks. That's why we love Daily Harvest. They have no gluten fillers, seed oils, added sugars, or starches. Daily Harvest really takes the guesswork and effort out of cooking because they deliver delicious smoothies and other options that are built on organic fruits and vegetables straight to your door. I love their smoothies. Yeah, Garrett Garrett drinks one every day. And when it comes to variety, Daily Harvest is always keeping it exciting as well. They have tons of great smoothies and other meal options that look so delicious. You never get bored when it comes to meals and snacks. So take the guessing out of eating well and try Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash husband to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash husband for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Again, go check out their stuff. They got food. They got smoothies. They got something for lunch, breakfast, anytime you want to eat something. It's very convenient and we love it. Dailyharvest.com slash husband. Murder With My Husband is sponsored by BetterHelp. If I had an extra hour in my day, I would probably start reading more books every day. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I really am such a huge fan of therapy. It's truly given me the tools to tackle really big life changes, honestly overcome anxiety, and is a safe space for me to voice my thoughts. I think putting words to how we feel is so, so important and therapy is a tool to do just that. 
It's fully online, made to be convenient, flexible, and work best for your schedule. You just have to fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with the licensed therapist. You can also switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash husband today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash husband. And as they continued on with their day, Julio tried multiple spots along the river trying to catch some fish, but he just wasn't having any luck. He hadn't caught a single fish all day. Kendra moved on to cooking some food, and as the afternoon began approaching evening, they drove farther downstream until they passed a fisherman. They asked the fisherman if the fish were biting, and he said he hadn't caught anything at all. They drove further and saw another fisherman. They asked him, too, if he'd had any luck that day, and he said he'd caught three fish but none of them were keepers. It was growing to be a bit frustrating by this point, and Kander asked Julio if maybe they shouldn't just go home. The fuel in the car was getting really low, but Julio wanted to try one more spot. I mean, he came here to fish. So they drove on deeper and deeper into the woods. The sun at this point was setting, the road was getting dimmer, and eventually they pulled over and parked by a boat launch near the North Fork Dam. And as they were getting out of their car, they noticed a red pickup truck with Nebraska plates pulling up and parking next to them. The man inside, who appeared to be in his late 20s, got out of his truck and walked up to the water. Julio then approached the man and, hoping to get some pointers, began talking to him like he had the other two fishermen, telling him about his rotten luck, that there had been zero fish all day. But the man just sort of stared straight ahead without making eye contact and delivered short replies, almost like he didn't even want to give Julio the time of day. He didn't seem interested in anything that Julio was saying. But that all changed when the man turned around and saw that Kandra was with them. Suddenly, he lit up. It was like a switch had been flipped. He told Julio that he knew a place where a truckload of fish had just been dumped into the river. He'd heard about it from some other fishermen, he said. And that was when the now helpful stranger introduced himself. I'm Tom, he said. I'm a logger and I work in these woods. The spot he had in mind was about eight miles up the river, deeper into the woods. Julio didn't think that they'd have enough gas in the car to make it there and back, but Tom told him not to worry. If their tank hits empty, he could go to town in the morning and bring back some fuel for them. Man, that's like the, it just seems, I mean, I know it's out of context because it just seems like the biggest red flag ever. Right. If if anyone ever told me that, I'd be like, you're insane. Yeah, like, I'm not going to go like, out there wanna, and lose yeah, gas. Yeah, I don't want to run out of gas. Like, are you crazy? Also, Tom the logger, come on. I mean, unless, unless that's really his name, <laughs> but there's no way his name's really Tom the logger. Well, it's not just you because something about this stranger named Tom made Kandra feel uneasy. Okay. And honestly, it is probably little things about Tom that Kandra noticed that her husband didn't like she was noticing that his eyes kind of spent a lot of time on her. She could feel it, but also this wasn't new for her. She was young and attractive and often found herself on the receiving end of unwanted attention from men. So in that respect, Tom wasn't necessarily unusual, but there was something else about him. She just couldn't put her finger on it. So she ignored her intuition and got into the car with Julio and began following the man's truck as he led them to the spot that he described. After all, Kendra thought to herself she had her husband and dog with her, so she had two pretty loyal defenders to back her up if things went wrong. And Julio was not a puny guy. He was six feet tall and a sturdy 185 pounds, both bigger and taller than the stranger Tom the logger. So she felt comfortable enough. And as they were following behind Tom, the road was getting narrower and seemingly farther from civilization. The man stopped his truck finally and pulled over. He walked up to the couple and suggested that they ride with him the rest of the way so they don't run out of gas. Kandra almost instinctively rejected this. She didn't want to abandon their car and be at the mercy of this unfamiliar person. Julio asked, okay, where exactly is this fishing spot? And he told him, well, it's just beyond Bagby Hot Springs Road. Now, this is exactly where Julio and Kandra had 
inadvertently been heading the previous day when they missed their turn. Interesting. Okay. But remember, they went up that super creepy mm, road. And stopped. so yeah, yeah. this is like, this is the place where they were getting that creeped out vibe the day before. Yeah. But despite this, despite all that foreboding, they decided to continue on and follow Tom to the fishing spot up an old dirt road that was completely canopied by the woods. By the time they parked, the sun had set and it was too dark to fish. So they pitched their tent, set up camp and started a campfire. Tom went to his truck and came back with something he wanted to show them. It was a dead bird. So they park, they put their tent up and then logger Tom is like, hold on, I got to go get something out of my truck. I want to show you. And it's a dead bird. Oh my gosh. That's okay. He said that he what? killed it on his way to the forest, but Kendra was repulsed. She said, we don't believe in killing things for sport. And Tom said, I didn't kill it for sport, though. I'm going to eat it. And honestly, let me just say at this point, I would be looking for an opportunity to flee. Like, this yeah, is just not my vibe. I mean, I don't know if it's the fact that he killed a bird. I think it's the way he presented and did all of it yeah like let me go get something yeah let me go get something oh look at this bird i just killed that's yeah. weird that's weird but also they're already up here so it's kind of like oh are we overreacting i don't know it's just too late they yeah. were already past the point of no return they'd come this far and they didn't know these woods yeah after dinner tom went back to his truck and returned with a rifle let's go for a walk he told the couple i know of a spot where we can hunt for deer julio told him that hunting deer out of season was illegal but tom didn't seem to care he just laughed he says quote we could eat only the hindquarters we could be wasteful masters and wasteful masters was a stilted phrase kandra wondered where it came from like that was just odd and tom's manner overall was just odd and kandra recognized and tried to ignore the fact that they were now alone with this man who was armed with a rifle in an isolated part of the woods they were at this point, completely at his mercy. But she tried to talk herself out of her feelings of dread. And meanwhile, Julio followed Tom out into a clearing and the man handed him his binoculars. There were deer just a little ways up ahead. Julio observed them through the binoculars and then Tom raised his rifle, cocked it, and pointed it toward the deer. But he didn't shoot. But just hearing the sound of the rifle being cocked gave Kandra goosebumps. She wanted to turn back. She wanted to go back to camp, but they were essentially trapped now. They said goodnight to the man and locked themselves in their car and went to sleep. Now, before drifting off, Kandra told her husband that she didn't like Tom. He seemed to enjoy killing for the sake of killing. But Julio reminded her that everyone's different and you just have to understand them on their own terms. The next morning, the couple was jarred awake when Tom began knocking on the hood of their car just as the sun began to rise. He suggested that dawn was the best time to fish and they should skip breakfast and let him drive them further into the forest to the ideal spot. Oh my gosh, it's it's so hard because hearing it from this perspective, you're just like, red flag, red flag, red flag, right. red flag. But I How mean, are I, they supposed to I know, know it's so much different in person sometimes I, I don't know well and also it's it the sucks. 70s and i'm not True. saying that's like an it's just it was a different time i think it's just i think stranger danger is way more prevalent now than it was in the 70s um it's strangey dangy strangey dangy um but yeah i mean i'm those i grew up in the 70s correct me if i'm wrong but i would i mean i would dare to say that's that's pretty obvious i mean my dad was born in 1970 and he would have gotten into a truck with a man oh, that he didn't sure. know and yeah. drove up to go hunting or fishing yeah he'd still do it probably <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> shout out dad <laughs> but yeah so it's just oh and you hear it and you're like no no don't it's go. like it's like watching a horror movie and you're like don't do it don't do it yeah so they decide to get into his truck and they drive onward. But as he drove, Tom had trouble finding the spot that he claimed to the couple that he knew. Yeah, of course he did. As familiar as he claimed to be with the area, it was like he'd suddenly lost his bearings. When Tom finally found the area of the river where he had been indicating this huge population of fish was, Tom hung back while Kandra and Julio tried their luck. Julio cast his line and waited. But it was the same as it had been since the beginning of the trip. He caught nothing. As they contemplated returning to camp, Tom suddenly began shooting at birds with his rifle. It was just as Kandra had said. He seemed eager to kill things. 
And as Tom began petting their dog, Rusty, he offered his opinion that there are only two things wrong with Rusty. He's alive and he's walking. Now, this was another comment from Tom that That's just what he said, yes, about their dog. What and this just sent chills up and down Kendra's spine, as it should. And Julio, too, seemed to sense at this point that Tom was not safe. Like, they, the red flags are are blaring at yeah. this point, and they're like, we are in danger, we need to leave. And they feel stuck, I'm sure. He told Kendra that he didn't want to leave the two of them alone, which Kendra agreed with. And when Kendra unbuttoned a few buttons of her blouse to cool down from the blistering July heat, Julio told her to button them back up. He's like, no, we, we can't even be doing that at this point. So there was something definitely predatory mm. about Tom. Okay. And Julio was noticing it too. But trying to de-escalate the situation, Tom suggested they go do more hunting. And Julio was like, okay, yeah, we're going to go off and try to hunt some deer, I guess. He then followed Tom and disappeared into the clearing while Kendra stayed behind with Rusty and began cooking breakfast. Suddenly, though, she heard a single shot ring out. She turned around in the direction of where she heard the shot. And a few moments later, Tom appeared, but he was alone. He said, we got ourselves a deer. While staring at her, Kendra felt something deeply wrong. Where was Julio? And as she got up and ran toward the clearing from where she heard the shot, another gunshot sounded behind her. And trigger warning here, this is animal cruelty, um, but oh, she no. hears a yelp and you guys know what happens I after cannot. that. So Kendra confronts Tom crying and says, you just shot my dog. And Tom begins approaching her while reloading his rifle. And he says, that's right. And I shot your husband too. Oh. Yes. So Kendra is absolutely terrified. She's terrified because now she doesn't know where Julio is. This oh guy just says he shot gosh, him. Dude. He just shot her dog. And she's now all alone, deep in the woods, woods she doesn't know, with a stranger who would just apparently murdered her husband and she just saw him kill her dog so at this point she's i'm gonna die that's what's running through her mind it was at this point that tom walked her towards julio's body to show her that he really did shoot her husband so then oh she had to look gosh. at her husband's dead body and then he grabbed her by the hand and started forcing her to walk with him. He told her it wouldn't do her any good to run because he could just shoot to kill her from 500 yards away. If I leave you here, he warned her, it won't be alive. She begged him not to kill her, but he would only react by flashing the same creepy, vacant grin that he had been kind of doing the whole morning. You and your husband were dumb to believe that I was a logger who worked up here, he said. Oh. I've killed five or six people and I'm wanted for murder in several states. He said, you can see my truck is from Nebraska. My name is Kent, not Tom. And I'm a hitman for the organization. Doesn't declare what That's organization no, it is. He's just a freaking weirdo. Yeah. But I've killed one man too many and now they're after me. I had to kill your husband because I wanted to take you into the mountains to live with me because I need a companion. He told her she was fit enough to be a mountain woman. She told him she would only be a drag on him, that she was a city girl at heart. And feeling his sexual interest in her, she told him that she was a, quote, slut who gets it on with everyone, which is so devastating because she's trying to Anything turn to get him out off. Of this. Yes, that's so like it's sad. not true, but she's. Yeah. And even if it was true, it's like something that would then turn this guy off. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it's just all in all bad. I can't believe he just shot them. Right, and her dog and her husband are now dead. That is like so much trauma within just two minutes. Right. I don't even know how you handle all of that. Right, and now she has to fight for her life. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to be working. He led her deeper into the woods, dropping items along the way to leave what Kandra believed was a false trail. He made her step only on rocks and nothing like the mud or the dirt, nothing that would leave her footprints. He hiked with his kidnapped victim for about four hours. Yikes. When they stopped to rest at a river, she entered the water to cool off. And as they'd been hiking for miles, she was burning hot. But she felt Tom staring at her. And when she turned around, he demanded that she walk over to him. She did. And he then ordered her to take her top off. Ugh. You know where this is going. Um, I don't have to explain it. But she begs him. She says, you murdered my husband. Please don't do this to me. But then he pulls out a knife and he forces her to. And over the next two days 
Tom kept Kandra around, moving her from area to area within the woods as if he hadn't yet decided what he was going to do with her, all the while continuing to assault her again and again. He bragged during this time that he could have killed her husband with a knife or with his bare hands. He says, because I'm trained in hand-to-hand combat. But a gun, of course, is much less messy and painful, he said, if you know how to use it. He told her he was trying to protect her by not killing Julio in front of her. He said, it was decent of me to make sure that I dragged him away before I did it. It's so weird to me that I just can't believe these are the actual thoughts are running through this guy's mind. And that he's just bragging to her about it. It's absolutely cold-blooded. And Kandra had become convinced that she was not going to make it out of these woods alive. Yeah. By the second day, she began submitting to the man. She stopped resisting. She tried to forget that her husband was dead and that this man was the man who killed him. And every time they would stop to rest, she would read that Bible that she had packed and she would pray. Tom noticed this and told her that he too used to be religious. But he said, God gave up on me a long time ago. This is when Kandra told him, God doesn't give up on anybody. Tom disagreed. He said once again that he killed too many people and that the organization was after him all right we're jumping into a shopify ad love shopify bunch of ads for them if you have any type of online business e-commerce store at all please go and check out shopify you will absolutely love it and make sure you use code husband or go to shopify.com slash husband I think sometimes starting something, we all have these aspirations, right? We're like, oh, I make these little, I knit these little onesies. I really want to sell them or I do this or I do that. But then you have no idea what that actually looks like. Shopify is the answer. That is how you do it. And when we started podcasting, I was like, okay, maybe we're done with Shopify, but nope, here we are selling merch. So we're still using it. From the launch your online store stage to the real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. No, we have not hit a million orders on Murder With My Husband, but maybe one day. (laughs) Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs to every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash husband. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash husband now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. You guys don't forget to use code husband. It really it, it benefits you and it benefits us. Shopify.com slash husband. Dave is the banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you could get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. This would have been nice in college when I kept getting slapped with parking tickets and I literally didn't have any wiggle room. Or when I kept getting towed. Yeah, I could have used Dave. Extra cash gives you more money to buy groceries, fill a tank, and pay rent without having to wait for your next paycheck. It's time to remove extra stress with extra cash. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to make their finances easier. In fact, Dave has helped its members avoid over $2.5 billion in overdraft fees since 2017. Download Dave today at dave.com slash husband. That's dave.com slash husband. You could get up to $500 in five minutes or less when you download Dave. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash husband. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. Tom talked nonstop. He told her that he admired Hitler. This is not the first time we've seen this being said in one Mm -hmm. of these stories. And that he hated his family. He talked about his mafia connections. A lot of his stories sounded like bullcrap and his demeanor veered from rough to gentle, swinging back and forth like a pendulum. She kept pulling out her Bible and reading aloud from it. By the third day, Tom was beginning to look and sound sick. He thought he might have pneumonia and told her he thought he was going to die. Kandra began crying and then Tom started crying too. And this is when something seemed to kind of break in this moment. And Mm. finally, he confessed to Kandra that he didn't want to kill her. He told her that he didn't kill her husband on purpose. It was an accident, he said. 
But he'd already served time in prison and he was afraid of going back. So that's why he brought her up to where he led her at this hiding spot. I mean, he still killed the dog, so. It's a, it's I mean, honestly I know it's a lie. lie. I'm just I, saying. Even if it was an accident, it's like. Yes. I think he's unwell. I think he's unwell. Obviously, he's unwell. For sure. Um, So as Candra's like sitting here grasping at straws, trying to figure out the right thing to say, trying to fight for her life, he agrees to let her go. So she's like bargaining with him. No way. He agrees to let her go under one condition. And that condition was that she back up his story that the shooting was an accident and tell authorities that she saw the whole thing. Hilarious that he thought that she would do that. Right. And over the day, as they hiked their way back to the surface of the forest, he repeatedly told her how it happened, how it was an accident to get the story in her head, how the gun had unexpectedly discharged when he was handing it to Julio. And eventually, Kandra started to have a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. Mm, okay. Imagine what she's gone through the oh, last 100%. couple of days. So she her. begins to almost convince herself that this happened. She's yeah. like, okay, maybe this did happen. The more she said it over and over. Maybe he didn't mean to do maybe it. Maybe he didn't mean to do it. Maybe this was all just a bad dream. She hadn't seen the actual shooting. and She didn't want to believe this man in front of her was bad because then that means that she's at the mercy of him. So she accepts this version of events as a survival mechanism. And once they were out of the woods, they go to the police station together. And Tom, whose full name was Thomas Leslie Brown. So his name actually was Tom, took the lead. He did all the talking. He told the police he wished to report an accidental shooting. And when the two sat down with the detective who took the report, Tom explained that he'd met this couple, brought them deep into the woods, and he went hunting with Julio. In his statement, he said, quote, Julio and I walked up to the clearing the morning of the 24th. He was looking through my binoculars and he spotted a deer. He handed them to me so I could see and I handed the rifle over to him at the same time. He said then after he looked at the deer and gave the glasses back to Julio, he was handed the gun and it was while it was being passed that he accidentally grabbed it by the balance with his finger and on the trigger it fired and the bullet hit Julio in the head. So it was an accident. Okay. And Tom claimed that Candra had witnessed the whole thing. She ran screaming. He claimed the dog, which had been asleep, then woke up and charged at him, trying to attack him. So he shot the dog too. He had no choice. The detective asked Tom to clarify when exactly this had occurred. And he said it, it happened on Saturday. Well, it's now Wednesday. Yeah. And so the detective is like, this was four days days ago and tom explained that he'd gone into a state of shock for several hours um he didn't know what to do he'd felt that because he had a rather extensive criminal record no one would believe him so he decided to flee he claimed he then told candra that she could do what she wanted but he was going to retreat and then he said she told him that he couldn't just leave her there that he had to take her back to civilization he said he then refused saying there's no way he was going to go back and so she was free to accompany him into the mountains instead and because he knew these woods and she didn't she followed him he told detectives he spent the next three days trying to push past his fear and confront the situation and when candra agreed to back him up he then left the woods with her and proceeded to go to the police station and here they were now Obviously, the detective was suspicious of Tom's story and asked Kandra to explain what had happened. And she, sitting there in front of Tom, backs it up. She says, yeah, it was an accident. Tom didn't mean to do it. But she, she was talking very robotic. Yeah. And if they had been split into separate rooms immediately, there's a chance that she wouldn't have agreed. I'm surprised they didn't split immediately. Right. Knowing that it was her husband, I'm surprised they didn't go... Let's split, let's split them up. Let's right. figure out what's right. going on. I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying I'm surprised they didn't do that. But either way, she, in a robotic, basically dead-eye way, says, yeah, Tom was then given a polygraph test and he passed. He accompanied authorities what? back to the scene, yep, up in the mountains, in order to give them a better sense of how things went down. And also to recover Julio's body. Now, by the time they got to it, Julio um, was still dressed in his hiking gear, but he was already pretty badly decomposed. Remember, this is July, peak of summer. It's hot. It's humid. And he had been covered in ferns as if to conceal him. Now, nearby, they found the remains of Rusty. And they also found the Winchester rifle that was responsible for Julio's death. Tom had discarded it before leaving the woods. Same with the Savage rifle. There were two rifles. And both rifles were confiscated by police for ballistics examination. 
The autopsy that was performed on Julio showed that he died from a single rifle blast to the head. The bullet entered through the right cheek and exited on the left side of his neck. So this would mean the bullet's path was almost perfectly horizontal, Mm -hmm. which seemed unlikely if the gun had accidentally discharged while being passed back and forth. It was more like it had been aimed at Julio, but they couldn't tell for sure. Nonetheless, he had passed his polygraph and the police here were supportive of Mr. Tom and believed his account. Meanwhile, as she rested at home with her parents, Kendra kept having flashes of the trauma on the mountain. Something inside her brain was alerting her, telling her that the story that she was telling, which she had absolutely absorbed into her memory at this point, wasn't what happened. So she starts having PTSD flashbacks of like, I buried this, I'm burying this thing, and it's like trying so hard to fight out of her brain. It seemed she had memories of everything leading up to meeting Tom, but then the three days that followed the shooting were a total blur. She remembered being scared of Tom when they first met him and kind of liking him by the end of the ordeal. But then she thought about the gunshot, the blood, and the memory gap began slowly filling in. And when she returned to the apartment she had shared with Julio in the company of her mother, she broke out crying. It was almost like this barrier broke. She turned to her mom and said, I'm not sure Julio's death was really an accident. And her mom was horrified, but not exactly shocked because she knew her daughter and the way she was acting and the story just hadn't been sounding right. Obviously, the way Kandra was delivering it, like in a very robotic tone, it seemed programmed. And so a week after she went to the police, Kandra returned to the station with her parents and she told the detectives she wanted to tell them what really happened because now she was pretty sure it wasn't an accident. She said that guy murdered my husband and she revealed that over the next three days she was sexually assaulted multiple times held prisoner and then that he had convinced her that she'd seen the shooting and it had been an accident and that he'd let her go if she came to town and backed up his account so she thinks that her brain just like went into survival mode the detectives though were now having trouble with Kendra's story they couldn't believe that she'd lie for a man who just murdered her husband She was his prisoner for three days. Why can't... Right. Like, anything could happen. Oh, for sure. And also, she's in such a vulnerable state. Like her mind's mind's all over the place right right now. Susceptible to anything. So they give her a polygraph, and while Tom passed his polygraph, Kendra failed. Which is not weird, because there was still probably a part of her brain that thought it was true. Yeah. She was trying to figure out what the correct... The correct version was so she was given another polygraph test and she felt that one too so like we've said many times on our podcast polygraph tests are just bogus they are but poor Kendra, who'd been through so much already failed these tests and the police thought she was lying and they refused to reopen the case and they returned tom's rifles no to him no freaking way yep But then a psychiatrist named Dr. J.H. Trelevin of the Oregon State Hospital sat down with Kendra to go through what she said had happened. And he walked away from his interactions with her with the conclusion that she had in fact been brainwashed. It's Stockholm Syndrome, they call it. That's when kidnapped victims and hostages, either as a survival mechanism or because they've been manipulated or sometimes a combination of both, begin to sympathize with their captors and believe everything that they're told. This was named after the 1973 Stockholm Sweden bank robbery, which we've covered on this podcast. The doctor believed all the hallmarks of Stockholm Syndrome brainwashing were evident in Kandra. Psychic shock, witnessing Tom Brown kill her dog and being told that he'd killed her husband, then seeing her husband's body, isolation, programming, Tom repeating the story of how the accident happened, torture, and the promise of a reward, which was escaping the woods with her life. Dr. Trelevin shared his thoughts with the detectives and convinced them just to take another look at the case. He's like, listen, I know it's closed, but as a doctor, I'm pretty sure she's telling the truth. And also, you know, they knew of Tom's criminal record and that Tom had prior arrests for kidnapping, 
dating back to when he was a teenager. Which makes it even more obvious. Right. It turns out the truck and the rifles that he had that day were stolen. And physical evidence would tell whether the dog had been shot in front, like Tom had claimed, or from behind, like Kandra claimed. But the dog was never autopsied and had already been buried. Another finding from Julio's autopsy they revisited was the lack of gunpowder residue around the entrance wound. Not on his head, in his hair, or in his shirt. And it would have been if it really had gone off from just a pass. So they did a series of test fires on the same Winchester rifle from varying distances. And they concluded that the rifle couldn't have been closer than 36 inches away from Julio when he was shot. Which proved that his story was a fabrication and Kandra had been telling the truth. Got it. Julio's death was in fact a murder and not an accident. The case was then brought before a grand jury and it was decided that Tom Brown would be tried for murder. So he was arrested and charged and while he was in jail, he actually confessed everything to his cellmate. He boasted that he was going to beat the rap and once he was out, he would go after both Kandra and the two prosecutors. He was going to kill them both. And even if he did get convicted, he would only do a few years, he told the cellmate. And once he was out, he would then go kill Kandra. Either way, that cellmate decides to testify against I feel like that him. happens all the time. It seems so weird to me that you have two cons inside a jail and you're telling the other you're telling the other con your story of how you killed someone. You like you don't think he's going to snitch on you? Don't trust the sneaky sneaky. Of course he's going to snitch on you. Exactly. 2 days before the trial, Tom Brown posted bond and meanwhile, Kendra was put up in a motel room under a false name for her own protection. Brown was so cocky and confident that he waived a jury trial, and so the trial was presented just before one judge. Kandra had a hard time testifying on the stand and reliving the incident, no doubt. So instead of testifying, she wrote an 18-page statement detailing the entire ordeal. Tom Brown took the stand and gave a new account of how the gun went off, trying to conform the story to the forensic evidence. But the judge didn't buy it. The judge found him guilty and sentenced him to life in prison. Good, good, good. Kendra Torres eventually remarried and had children and lives in a different state under a new name. So we will also be protecting her identity. Poor Kendra. Good for her for figuring out how to deal with all the trauma and continue with life. Right. And again, with these survivor stories, it's the hardest part. It's like you would think that surviving would be the tough part, but no, yeah, it's the aftermath. Any survivor tells you it's the aftermath that is so hard. Oh, that's so crazy. I Julio's dead. It's so traumatic. That's so sad. That is horrible. It's so traumatic. Gosh dang it. And Rusty. I know. That's so sad. I felt bad at the beginning. I was talking about Tom the logger and I was right. Yeah. But then he said his name was fake, but then it actually was Tom. Um, So we can kind of just take a moment here to think about Kandra because she is a real victim. This is a real story. And, you know, like it's someone's real life. And I also think I don't ever want to discredit the fact that she played a big role in getting out of this alive. She went through what she had to go through. She did what she had to do to stay alive. And it's it's more than any of us would ever understand. All right, you guys, that was our episode for today. And we will see you next time with another one. I love it. And I hate it. Goodbye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.